Hey, thanks for listening to The Highlight, a podcast about the beauty and wellness industry hosted by myself, Juliana, aka Jules, of Deco Miami. Whenever I have conversations with other people in the beauty industry, I think, wow, I wish we could have recorded that. And that's exactly what The Highlight is. kind of a new format for the highlight. You know, I've really struggled since I started Deco with with coming up with a way to put myself in my brand without looking like I was trying to play influencer or without looking, I mean, quite frankly, without looking vain or like I wanted attention myself. Deco has always been something that I initially thought would be my creative baby, but in terms of Jules being part of Deco, that would sort of be, Jules would be behind the scenes, I guess. But a lot has changed since I started thinking about Deco. I started working on, I started dreaming up Deco Miami in, it would have been 2014. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but Yeah, I mean, obviously, the whole internet landscape has completely changed since then. Instagram has transformed, Facebook has transformed, I mean, and even Deco, I think, has transformed. And this podcast, although initially I thought that it was going to be part of another project that's been put on hold indefinitely, thanks to COVID, you know, this podcast, I think, is my way of connecting with you guys and i don't have a instagrammable life behind the scenes (laughs) jet setting places running to private equity meetings whatever getting funding my life with deco is very much a girl sitting in sweatpants in a basement with her head down working all the freaking time (laughs) which i guess you can find ways to instagram that which I'm working on, but um, or something has changed in what you guys want to see and just consumers in general, especially this year with COVID, where I really don't think that most people are excited about giving their hard-earned dollars to big corporations like Target, Walmart, and whatever big beauty conglomerates are out there. And I think there is something really special about indie and across the board, across all product categories, but especially in makeup. So so this podcast is, I guess I'm going to try a few episodes where it's just me. I'm not going to interview anyone. Thank you so much for leaving your questions uh, or rather topic prompts for me a few days ago. I've been thinking the most logical place to start is to tell you about <laughs> to tell you about Deco and how I started Deco and um, it seems like there's a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that are following Deco or or maybe you're just really curious by by anything that has to do with business and that aspect of behind the scenes so I hope that you find this interesting <laughs> my ramp my literal rambles I am just sitting in a basement talking to myself <laughs> Wow, when I say it like that, but I guess that's what a podcast is, right? Anyway, okay, so let's get started. (laughs) So a lot of you have asked, what was your inspiration for Deco and how did you get started? And I think that's a, 
my business journey spanning over over the course of the last five years has been really interesting and I I don't know how long it will take me to talk about it to myself, but let's see. So I am 28. I started working on DECA when I was 23, but I started thinking of DECA when I was 22. And to give you a quick background, I've always been interested in business. We were always looking for ways to, I don't wanna say make money because that wasn't, that wasn't the goal. Like we just had fun playing entrepreneur when we were kids. I guess like that's the only way I can describe it. And by the time that I got that I got to the end of college, I knew that I wanted to expand on that. And I went right into business school for marketing. I went to Hopkins for a, it was a 15 month program. And while I was at Hopkins, I went back to William & Mary for homecoming. One of my friends was still there. And <laughs> shout out to Catherine, in her windowsill of her little studio apartment, she had a ton of SEs and maybe a few OPIs. I just remember like a ton of SEs. And, and when I say like a ton, I mean like, I, I remember there being like 40 or 50 nail polishes there. And I said to Catherine, girl, this is so much money in nail polish. And they all looked brand new. Like they, they had never been used before. And Catherine was like, yeah, I just like go and buy a color at a time. Basically, it's like my my Friday night wind down <laughs> where I just go out to Target, pick a color and then paint my nails when I'm getting ready to go out. And then I do the same thing over and over and over again week after week. So I was actually never I was never obsessed with makeup or beauty before this point. I definitely was interested in makeup, but like not to the level that I would become. <laughs> and so in business school, one of the things which I had just begun, one of the things that we talked about all the time was the importance of packaging and of course branding and yada da da. And seeing Catherine's nail polish collection got got me thinking, wow, like nail polish has some problems, I guess as like a a product. I was kind of reflecting on my own experience with nail polish where you know it, it should be like a good gift but it's really not because it only if you give it in sets like you can't just give someone a bottle of nail polish and stick like a bow on it or something and then also the the whole problem with the size was really interesting to me like how does someone like there must be tons of people like Catherine that literally paint their nails once or twice with the color that they're excited about and then they're on to the next thing and there's nothing wrong with that but it just seemed kind of wasteful and dumb that you would have these big bottles of nail polish that are just sitting in your in your nail polish shoebox or your medicine cabinet and then they go bad and you throw them away like I felt like I could come up with something better but I think the biggest thing that I felt was Nail polish in 2014-2015, it was geared more towards the professional and geared more towards the nail salon. The DTC, DTC direct-to-consumer, <laughs> I don't even know if DTC was a term at the time, um, but like people weren't really like there, there were indie nail polish brands that were like really cool small makers, you know, making small batch. And then there was SE and OPI and then some other bigger brands, but like there wasn't really anything in between. And I felt like, wow, I could do this. I, I felt really excited by the category. Like 
Again, I was never a big makeup person, but I always had like a bright color nail polish on um, throughout like high school and college. Actually, fun fact, my very first nail polish, I remember buying it. It was an aqua teal metallic polish from Wet n Wild. I got it at CVS and it's like half dried up in my bedside table at, at my mom's house. Like I refuse to throw it away. It's, it's special to me, but um, but anyway, so, so at this point I have the idea that I'm interested in nail polish. And then for the next couple of months, I obsessed over the nail polish market. I would go to Sephora, Ulta, all the drugstores, Nordstrom, Lord & Taylor, and just like hang out near the nail polish and watch what people did. <laughs> and that definitely sounds really creepy, but let me tell you, it was necessary because I wanted to understand how people were buying nail polish in stores, but I also wanted to understand like, what were people picking up? What were people interested in? And like, whenever I could strike up a conversation <laughs> with people, I definitely would. Some people were more into it than others for sure. But as I'm sure most of you, anyone listening to this, I'm sure if someone, if someone randomly like asked for your opinion on anything makeup related or nail polish related in, an, in a store, you'd be really excited to tell them and help them. So, so yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I spent a lot of my time doing because um, homecoming would have been in October and then I did that like all winter. I was so obsessed. And of course I was obsessed with coming up with the, the correct branding. And branding was really challenging for me because I wanted to appeal to someone like me, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into like coming off as too young or too old or too this or too that and I actually remember I loved the name Gemma <laughs> and I was like what about Gemma Rose so like Deco Miami was almost Gemma Rose guys <laughs> um but then I scrapped that because I came up with something better <laughs> so I've always loved art deco and I actually have some really, really, really early drawings of packaging concepts where I took like a, think like New York, Chicago, Gatsby, really sleek, black, gold, art deco shapes, and I guess like building motifs, and I put it on packaging. And I, I knew that like there was something to this idea of drawing buildings and wrapping, and wrapping the buildings around a cool box. Because again, like I was obsessed always been obsessed with packaging and branding. And one of my family members got married that winter in Miami. And I had, at the time, again, I was in Baltimore, but I was very familiar with Florida. I have, my grandparents live for part of the year in Naples, Florida, and I also do have family in Miami. So I was familiar with Miami, but like that was my first time really going as an adult. And just driving around and seeing all of the beautiful, like through the Art Deco district and seeing the colors and the pastels and the palm trees. And I mean, I was just like, this is it. This is like Deco Miami. Deco's not too feminine. It's not too, it's not too anything. It just is like, it's a vibe. It's a beach vibe. Everyone loves vacation. Like Miami is a vacation place. I love Miami. Like this is what I'm gonna do. 
So <laughs> at the end of business school, I did apply to some jobs. I actually applied to Birchbox. I wanted to work at Birchbox and I wanted to work at BarkBox because subscription boxes in 2015 were hot. But I like literally didn't hear anything from any, I think I sent out like 15 applications and I, I, I tried, but like I didn't try because I wanted, I want really wanted to do deco. So yeah, after I graduated um, in 2015, I was, was I 20? I would have been 22. Okay, so I was 22 um, that summer, and I moved to Florida to live in Naples with my grandmother. And if you have no idea where Naples is on a map, it is like directly west of Miami. I started living with my grandmother and just like working full time on this nail polish brand idea. My family was, it was a mix of, family and friends were kind of like, definitely unsure of what I was doing. I, I get it looking back at the time, like it didn't really bother me because I was just so stubbornly, again, I was, I had just turned 23 and I felt like, I felt like I could do anything, but I also felt like I was at a point in my life where if I totally screwed this up, or if it totally bombed, I could, I could do something else. Like I was young. I mean, you can start a business whenever you want, but like I felt comfortable that I could get over it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, <laughs> so I moved to Florida, started working on Deco, and um, yeah. So that's kind of like I guess the inspiration chapter of how it began. And I definitely need to do an episode on like how it started and and how like to start in general because I think that there's definitely a playbook at least I think that there's a playbook for how to how to research and launch a product and a brand in my opinion the hard part is after you launch you're like what the f do I what do I do now (laughs) because you know you're kind of like over the initial hump if that makes sense and then it's like okay I can go any direction what do I do aware of what I look like and I say this as I so I'm sitting on my hands right now like rocking back and forth and I'm wearing like a beanie with a pom-pom fluff on it a tie-dye shirt that says love on it and like leopard print leggings like I know I know who I am and what I am and I am not like (laughs) how do I say this I don't come off as a successful business person And, um, you know, I just want everyone who's listening to know that it does not matter. Like, there's a connotation for what a business person is supposed to look like and act like. I'm not it, but, like, I still, I love what I do. I make a great living. And, like, you know, I, I just, I guess my point in saying that is I just want you to know that, like, if people look down on you... <laughs> or people like say shit to you that makes you feel bad about yourself or doubt yourself as a business person because you're a woman, you're nice, you look a certain way, you like wearing certain types of clothing, maybe you're too casual for business, whatever, like it doesn't like fuck them. Like it doesn't matter. It's it's all about being I think it's all about being totally obsessed with your trade. And that's 
what I want to talk about in the second part of this episode. Let's see, what exactly, what did I write down? Advice for people thinking about starting a business. So that was, that was one of the, that was one of the topic suggestions. So yeah, like if you look at me, if you just passed me on the street, if you just like saw me out and about, you, you would not know what I do or like my successes for sure. And, and I actually, I think I'm really proud of that because I feel like, like I want to inspire people and I, I want people to feel empowered that like they can, you can do what I do. You, you can't do exactly what I do, but you can figure out how to do your own thing. And, um, my advice for people thinking about starting a business If you have any little bit of an entrepreneurial drive, like, and I'm sure everyone probably, I'm sure everyone like is fascinated by starting a business and like, you know, running a business. It is hard work. Let me tell you, like it is hard work. It is constant work. It is your life. You have to be totally obsessed with whatever you're doing, whatever market you're in. You have to just be like happy and excited to think about it. 24 seven, at least in the beginning, like, because it is so hard all the time, especially in the beginning though, when you just like, you don't really know where to start. Maybe like you feel very frazzled about like exactly how to brand yourself. Like maybe you feel like you're going to make a mistake and that's okay. Like, you know, and that's also why I think one of the biggest blessings for my, for me was actually in 2016 at the very end of the year, I actually was like about to get into anthropology. Like we were at the point where they were like, okay, we'll send you a purchase order next week. And then it never came and they followed up a few weeks later and they were like, yeah, you know, we've actually decided to go in a different direction. And I was super bummed, understandably, (laughs) about that. Like I was like devastated, like here, I it was right here and then I, I screwed something up, something happened whatever. But looking back, my brand has changed so much between the end of 2016 and today for the better, because that's, that's my process. Like I just constantly am looking for how to improve my product, my brand, me, everything that I know that when I do, when I do get into anthropology and it is just a matter of time, (laughs) when I do, my product and my brand will be so much better and it will have such a better chance of being successful because of the time that has passed and of the growth that has gone into my brand and the product between 2016 and 2020, 2021, whatever. So, (laughs) so yeah, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you're going to have failures and you're also going to have tons of rejections tons of rejections. You're going to feel like everyone hates you (laughs) and no one cares about you. And you know what? That's part of the process. That's part of growing. And you just, I think like another really hard part of starting a business and just being in a business at all is learning how to self-motivate yourself to push through all of those rejections and just keep going. And I guess the word for that is grit and stubbornness and believing in yourself that you're doing something right because (laughs) I mean it, it sucks it really does suck but like you can also know and take comfort in a twisted way and knowing that like 
everyone has gone through that process. If you start a business and the next day everyone's knocking on your door to to buy your product and interview you and you're just like, boom, you've gone viral, like that doesn't happen. You lucky is not even the word. That's just like impossible. (laughs) I can't even think of a time when that happened, especially in beauty. But do I have any final thoughts about advice for people starting a business? Let's see. What did I write down? Okay, great. I I literally wrote down prepare to struggle. Yep. (laughs) That's, that's nice. Um, I think like stick to a strategy And, and I'm guilty of not following this advice. I probably should just tattoo it to my, my hand at this point, but like strategy and just having a plan is so important because on those days, And there will be many days when you're like, I don't know what to do to move forward. I don't know what to work on today. If you have, even if you just like scribbled stuff down on a post-it, like what your goals are and like how, like ideas for how to get there. Like you just, like that's like your, that's your compass, I guess. Like that's your map for how to, how to move forward. So, you know, and, and maybe like your strategy Your strategy is probably going to be constantly changing, but like you always need to have strategy and you always need to be learning from your strategy. But that's hard because when you, especially if you're trying to have like an indie makeup brand, a lot of your strategy will be like reaching out to editors, trying to do this to get customers, trying to do this to get customers. And just because it's not working doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad strategy. (laughs) Um, Again, it's like, so, but that's also something that I guess you learn eventually. Um, When you start like really getting introspective about like, is this not working because it's a bad idea? Or is this not working because I have to be more consistent about it and it will start working soon? Yeah, that's that's really tough and not always intuitive. So to wrap this up, <laughs> now I really feel like I've been talking to myself forever. <laughs> it's interesting because everything that I just said, I feel like is very closely related to one another. Like if you're obsessed, you have to be obsessed with your business and your product and your market. And if you truly are obsessed, you're not going to take rejection as hard um, and be as discouraged. You're going to keep going. You're going to have that stubbornness and drive to keep going. And you probably feel that way because you're passionate. And that's a word I haven't said at all. Passion. You're passionate about solving a problem. And it's probably a problem that you face. And that's all good stuff. And it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter like what your strategy is. I truly believe that if you have good intentions, if you're you're a good person, (laughs) if you just keep going and keep trying to learn how to how to get where you want to be and just keep growing, you will eventually get there. Business success is not linear. It is a roller coaster that kind of looks like a weird staircase that you're going to trip all over and every every person every brand is going to have a very very different looking staircase roller coaster thing but as long as you're generally moving forward and 
always learning from everything that you're doing and you're you're trying new things and you're you're being analytical and you're just being smart about your strategy you're not just doing things randomly you're you're gonna get somewhere so yeah like I I love talking about this stuff and I hope I don't sound like a (laughs) not trying to sound like a motivational speaker but I want to set an example not even like in the beauty industry but just like across the board that screw what Instagram thinks an entrepreneur looks like screw what Forbes thinks an entrepreneur looks like the you need to have heart and you need to have that drive to go for it and I think that you're always like I'm the type of person where the what if drives me crazy and I would much rather give it my all and just fall on my face than to not try at all. You know yourself and you know what you can handle and um, you know. So yeah, okay. So how do I end this? Do I just stop talking? <laughs> Usually when I have a guest, it's like, okay, thanks for, thanks for talking to me today. Bye. No, I'm kidding. I'm really happy that I took the time to record this episode and I look forward to recording more. Probably more like business focused. I like talking about myself through the anecdotal value, but I don't like 